Welcome to the like, Destiny Podcast. Yeah, so I just wanted to like follow on from that really, and uh, uh, what I was talking about about just like kind of dreaming with God and talking to Him about um, showing us um, the new perspective and stuff. And I want to share a little bit about my testimony because. I think you know when I, when I first did I destiny like I'd, I'd I would always say that I've always known Jesus, but I think I destiny was a time when I really um, started to um, understand the the gospel of grace in a new way, and and sort of a lot of a lot of like heaviness fell off me um, about sort of my idea of what what being a Christian was and what it meant to be a follower of Jesus was. I think I'd made it something that was that was really hard and quite intense and required a lot of effort and then and then um I think through my destiny I realized that actually it's very easy and it's just about living life with Jesus and the fact that you know he desires me and from that place you know I des- I can I can choose to be with him and choose to whatever but um yeah so all that happened in our destiny, and it was incredible. And I remember, like a real breakthrough for me was when I read, um, read uh, Joseph. No, not Joseph Prince. <laughs> when I read Watchman Nee, yeah. So I read a book called Watchman uh, by Watchman Nee called um, The Normal Christian Life. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it's incredible. Like his this book, The Normal Christian Life, for me was like an incredible breakthrough because. It's kind of similar to, it's a similar message to like John Crowder's Mystical Union. But in my opinion, I just find that it's just, it's a lot easier to follow. And he uses like scripture all the time. So like he'll like outline something and and like he uses so many like really useful analogies and stuff. And it's just incredible. So that book was like really awesome as well, and I read that around the same time as finishing my destiny. I think like within a year of finishing it, and then uh, so I went to uni, and and it was kind of weird because, I, for the first time, I was living, sort of, in the church after getting so much freedom from this message of grace, and it was sort of almost like. Um, I hadn't noticed it before, but it was difficult because the gospel, which I which I perceived to be sort of being taught uh, when I was at church and stuff, was just it was very different to what I was what I'd been taught in my destiny, and um, and it's and it's a slightly less of an emphasis on grace and stuff, and um, I noticed that there is kind of there's a there can be. Uh, reluctance to preach grace in all its fullness because there's this whole idea of like if if we truly preach grace and trust Jesus trust your relationship with Jesus then you have a choice and if you have a choice then there's a chance that you might not choose what I think you should be choosing (laughs) so there's this whole thing of like control going on and and um and this this safe place that we've been in for for a long time which is religion because religion is a very safe place because you always get what you've always got you follow the abcs and you know it's it's easy and i think that's why um you know that's why israel chose to have the law because intimacy is is scary 
intimacy is very it's such a scary thing when you're not used to it and and when you and if you've had a bad experience of like maybe getting your heart broken or or trusting somebody and then being let down you wouldn't choose to do that you just say rather than speak to me face to face just tell me what to do and I'll do it and it, that's the heart of the relationship that the Israelites chose and um and uh and that's why sort of Moses was such a um a big sort of it says in the psalms isn't it that that everyone saw Mo, uh, everyone saw God's um acts but Moses knew his character and it says that Moses spoke to God face to face he was someone who wasn't afraid of intimacy with with God and um and uh yeah so but that's just a side note about Moses but but yeah so so in a lot of ways like the law is a very safe place to be and we like to stay there because because we don't like because it's quite a scary thought to let people go um so yeah, so I was struggling with a bit of that when I went to when I went to up to Newcastle, and um, and kind of what I discovered was like what is the best way to 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 live in this world now, knowing what I know about Jesus and and uh, something that always inspired me was a uh, was a guy at my church in um, when I was in Newcastle, a guy called Simon, and he and he always used to say to me that the best like antidote of the worse is modeling the better and i can't remember the exact words you used but it's basically that idea that that if if you see something that you think like you know you, um isn't good or whatever or you think that it could that you have something to offer in an area then the best thing to do is just to model what it looks like to to live under that reality and uh, he he just was just he just encouraged me to to do that really and and not necessarily like share my opinion all the time but actually just to just to live out what does it look like to live in relationship with Jesus under the gospel of grace and not be burdened by this whole system of you know religiosity and law and right and wrong but just enjoy relationship with him and enjoy the fruit of that what does it look like that to to model that and and uh and it was it was actually amazing because, like I said before, like what what starts happening is that when people see that um, you live in in the reality of this gospel, they 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 notice that something is different. They notice that there's a hunger within them for for real relationship. And uh, I remember when I was in the CU, I was on the leadership team in my third year, and we went on a weekend away, and. Um, and uh, led a seminar called, and I just called the title of the seminar um, Spiritual Gifts in Everyday Life. Just like, it is what it says on the tin. So I was just doing a bit of teaching about what prophecy is and what healing is and stuff. And and these, and these there was about 130 people on this um, on this weekend away and, and 120 of them came to my seminar. And I just thought, like, it's such a, and all they knew was the I'd not even said an all for the, all they saw was the title and it was like a choice of five and 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 what I really thought about that was that there's it's obvious that there's a hunger there for something authentic and seeing fruit come from your relationship with Jesus and and there's an element there of of dissatisfaction at the uh, almost like when when the gospel is preached but not not in the fullness of grace 
there's almost like a there's a there's a disjoint there where people think like is this really what it is and and I really think that kind of you know when people say the word gospel we need to kind of step back and think what actually is the gospel what what is this message because I think Phil uses this expression, but for so long we've 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 sort of had this gospel where it's just Judaism with Jesus duct taped on the side, and it's almost like um, Phil. I think Phil uses the analogy of like, you know, when someone first comes becomes a Christian, they're saved and everything, but then after a while, they have to go to a prayer meeting, they have to do all these things, and we create a new system of law that that's built upon like concepts that are mentioned in the new testament but it's still like a system of you do this in order to obtain relationship or improve your relationship or whatever and um and really all these things flow from that flow from that union but it's not in to get there so yeah and i just wanted to have a look at um a short look at the product the story of the prodigal son in uh, Luke 15, because I think this story, I've been, I've been, sort of hearing teachings from the prodigal son my whole life, and every time I hear the story, I'm like, yeah, okay, this is like the same message, you know, the son comes back to the father, God loves, he's a loving father, blah blah, and I always, but then I think like the reason, the reason Jesus uses parables is because. The, pe- the people in the parables are so easy to relate to because they're people and Jesus understands that and I also think it reflects something about the nature of God that that often like the emotions involved in these stories by the people if you actually if you actually read through them and think what would it have been like for the father what would it have been like for the son you see there's there's going to be a lot of complex like layers of emotion and I think it reveals something about God that he he is an emotional God, and, and I think it's possible for God to feel different things at different times and have multiple complex layers of emotion, just like we are, because we're made in his image. And uh, and that's why I think you can ret- keep returning back to the, the parables, like the prodigal son, um, and... and um, you know, and see something new each time, and see something a bit fresh. So, yeah. So I'm just going to, I'll just read out the, shall I just read out the whole parable? Why not? Um, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had. All he had set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his field to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the ponds that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on 
put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this time, this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and have never disobeyed your orders. Yet you have never given me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, You're always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we have... We had to celebrate and be glad because the brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Yeah. And I think uh, the reason I wanted to share this story was just pick up the point that you have such a you have such an opposite again, like we were talking about earlier with the opposites with Caleb and Joshua and then the other ten spies. You have this opposites of. Um, the older son, who had slaved away for his father in his house. Um, and then you have the younger son, who, um, who returned after you know, squandering this. And, and what I find interesting is this expression that was repeated by the father twice in the passage. He says it um, just before the feast and then just after he says, um, but we have to celebrate and be glad because your brother was dead. Your brother is dead. Uh, your brother was dead and is alive again. And he was lost and now is found. And it's interesting because the younger son, he regained his life in the eyes of the father when he returned to his father's house. And, um, you know, in a, in a very human way, like he was eating pig food and then he came back and his father fed him and gave him nutrients and um, food and drink and able to was sustain his body. But what the father picked up on was that when he returned to his place in the father's house, that's where his life was. That's where the source of his life was. And in the same way, you know, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he says, um, you know, when, when he calls himself the life, it's it's about us uh, finding our life in him. And just like when the younger son returned to the house of the father, he regained his life. Um, the, the gospel is that when Christ was crucified, we were crucified. And when, he, when Jesus was raised to new life, we were also raised to new life. And our life is in him. Um, one of the really cool pictures that... Um, Watchman Nee writes about in the in um, normal Christian life, as he says, if if, you, if I put a, if I have a book and I put like a twenty pound note in the book and burn the book, what happens to the twenty pound note? The twenty pound note gets burned along with the book because in the book, the the destiny or the the outcome that happens to the book is inevitable. That it will also happen to the money in it. 
And it's the same way that we're in Christ. When Christ was crucified, his result is our result. His death is our death. And his life is our life. Um, and when we, when we do that, when we return back, when we, re, when we come to Jesus, that's where our life is. Um, yeah, and yeah, so I just wanted to share that really because um, when, yeah, when, when it was sort of like for me when I was in Newcastle and trying to live this out and figure out what it looked like to be around people that, that believe different stuff to me and um, it always came down to what's it look like to actually model this because if 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 it, um, if I can't live it, then it's obviously there's there's something there which it's not authentic, you know, and uh, it has to be there. And if, if it comes from that place of just living with Jesus, then it's effortless, and and I, th- I really think people see that. Um, yeah. It was kind of, it's weird because I remember when I was on the leadership for the CU, I was the prayer sec, and 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 it was and I was going through a time when I was figuring out what what does prayer look like, what uh, what is prayer, and I was and I wasn't really sure of what my opinion about stuff was, you know, and to be honest, I'm still figuring stuff out, but I was going through a time where I was supposed to be leading prayer for the prayer for the CU of like. You know, hundred. I think it was about two hundred or so students, and I didn't even know what I believe. And um, but I remembered like uh, when I was when I was praying when we had a prayer meeting and stuff. Someone said like that they felt really um, liberated when I prayed because they hadn't heard anyone pray quite like that, and it was like. And that was a encouragement to me that that this this life of the gospel, like people do see it, you know, and the message of the gospel, like, um, is it, it is irresistible. It's irresistible, um, yeah. Yeah, and also, when I was praying, I was just remembering, like, one of my favorite stories is in John, where the woman at the well, and Jesus says, Jesus says to her, um, if you really knew who I was, then you wouldn't be asking me for a drink. No, if you really, um, if you really knew who I was, you'd ask, then you'd ask me for a drink, and I'd give you water that wells up to eternal life. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and again, he presents himself as his source of life. And uh, and after he says that, then she she realizes who he is, and and it's like uh, I just it's so easy to start thinking perhaps like our source of life comes in a message or comes in a doctrine or comes in a a way of thinking, but our source of life is him, in him in his self. It's when we're it's we're in union with him, so our source of life is from him and. In our relationship with him, that's where our life comes from. Um, yeah. And because that's not linked to, like, a doctrine, it's just a reality. 
then it's it's inescapable. No? Yeah, so I guess that's kind of what I wanted to share. Yeah. And I just think uh, I think it'd be cool like if you guys just get a sec, just have a have a read through of that um the the parable of the prodigal son again. Uh, just when you're on your own just to, and work and just read it through with Jesus and just ask him to show you more stuff cuz I really feel like um there's more stuff in this parable that like I hadn't picked up on and stuff that I think just have a look at the uh, the attitude of the younger son compared to the older son, because I think it's uh, it's like a it's a picture of what it means to live under grace and under law. That the younger son returned because he wanted relationship again, because he realised that he had no life without his father. Uh, the older son, he, he actually uses the expression, "I was slaving away." slaving away and although the younger son had a place in the father's house he wasn't living like a son although he was a son he wasn't living like it he was living like a slave and uh and he was linked to this system of you know doing good in order to obtain the father's approval but the younger son's attitude was one of i don't care i just need you you know i just want to be with you i need you in my life so yeah, I think there's something there. So have a read of that and also have a read of... Uh... Oh, another thing I was thinking about also was um, the young rich ruler. How when the young rich ruler came and he was saying to Jesus, tell me one more thing I need to do. And Jesus is like, do this, sell all your possessions. And, he goes, and it says that he goes away sad. It's like, it is another picture of what it means to try and live, live this Christian life under the burden of the law. Because... You go to Jesus and you say, I've done this. What more do I need to do? And Jesus says, there's always one more thing. There's always one more thing because that's the purpose of the law. It leads us to a place where you realize that it's useless and it leads us into the arms of a savior. Um, and uh, yeah, so Jesus says, there's one more thing and the young rich man goes away. But it's it's like that really, where whenever if you are trying to live under law, then there's always going to be one more thing. Always going to be one more thing. Um, and, uh, yeah, you're going to be trying your whole life and there's always going to be one more thing. But under grace, we're, it's completely different. Thank you for listening to the I Destiny podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.